Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul the Prophet Dawalimi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of the metaverse. What we do is we cover the most pressing metaverse stories and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this amazing industry. For our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the love, the five-star ratings and reviews. I promise I read every single one of them. We're so humbled uh, whenever you guys leave a five-star rating and leave a review. It helps others to find the podcast, but the best thing you can do is share the podcast with your friends, with your colleagues, with anyone you know who's interested in Metaverse, Web3, crypto, gaming, all of these things intersecting, uh, share it with someone you know. Uh, it really helps the podcast to grow. Jeff, how are you doing this week? I'm good. It's a busy week. I just, just moved, and we both actually just moved into new places. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's funny because we had both moved to temporary places and now we've both sort of moved to actual <laughs> places. So we're kind of following the same schedule just on complete opposite sides of the earth, I guess. Yeah, and so if, if an episode or two is off by a, its usual release date, it's apologies. It's uh, it's it's uh, very temporary that we'll, we will get back on track uh, as as we always have been since the beginning. By the way, this is like we're thirty plus episodes in. This is episode thirty four, uh, and I'm amazed. I I truly mean it in the intro. Like I'm so amazed at the feedback we get on the podcast, the reviews that people leave. It's been uh, it's been very very humbling uh, when people say how much they like the show. Um, we got a lot of news to cover this week, Jeff. We got some good news. And I think there's like a theme to the news this week, um, which is interesting, right? A lot of news stories all around one one particular topic, obviously, other than just metaverse. But um, let's start with something a bit lighter as we normally do. And this is Orlando, the city of Orlando, Florida in the news. And the headline here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll bring this up. The headline here is, Orlando will test if a physical city can be the center of the metaverse. So what they're saying is Orlando wants to be the center of the metaverse. They've teamed up, the city has teamed up with Unity, uh, the game engine maker, to create a digital twin of the city. So they want to recreate essentially a virtual Orlando in the metaverse. And, and what they're saying is Orlando is very familiar with this, or at least has experience with this, because they say, as the home of Disney World, Orlando is familiar, quote, with the notion of turning dreams into reality. So they want to become better known as the hub for the metaverse, Web3, and the related industries, which they, they describe as AR, VR, AI, gaming, and simulation training. Um, so what do you think of Orlando, like a city, essentially throwing their hat in the metaverse ring and saying, not only do we want to be the center of this, right, create jobs and do all this stuff around it and bring industry here, but create sort of the the virtual version of Orlando in the metaverse or in a metaverse. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. I do. I love when cities, you know, take the lead and have initiatives like that. Like I actually sat on a panel back at the EST, like the Esports Trade Association conference. We we both went to in Chicago 
last year, and I sat on a panel about cities kind of getting into esports. And uh, yeah, I think it's great when cities take initiatives and try to bring businesses in and bring industries in that they think are forward-facing and good for the community and good for their citizens. So kudos on them for that. Um, we've seen this done in a lot of different um, you know areas. One that comes to mind just right down down the road, I guess, in Florida is Miami. I know you know they've had a really big influx of crypto, the crypto community, and they've sort of like adopted you know like their mayor has been very forward facing about kind of trying to make them like the city for crypto. I think it's 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 kind of worked as as far as I know. I love your take on that, um, but you know, so they're following that that blueprint. In terms of creating a virtual city, I think it's like a virtual version of Orlando. I think it's a super cool idea. I mean, I don't know how exciting Orlando is as a city, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a good idea in the sense of I can think of a lot of ways that that's cool. Um, you know, obviously GTA has had a lot of success creating kind of like mini virtual versions of cities, and people love running around and being immersed in it and kind of seeing the places that they go and then being able to do cool things that, you know, maybe with, without consequences within the city. I think there, there's a cool angle to that. There's also different, you know, things that could be interesting, you know, in terms of like that could help uh, driverless technology, you know, ver- various like more real world things rather than games, um, you know, city, city planning, just throwing out a few things. So I, I think the idea of, of creating like a virtual version of Orlando is, is, is probably pretty cool. But the bigger question I have from all of this is like, it's great to say all these things and have a conference and a press release and announcement. But like, what does this actually mean? You know, short of creating like the Google Maps version of, uh, of Orlando within, within Unity, like what's next? Like, uh, and maybe the article dives into it a little bit more, but like, are they going to be giving grants? Like, will they be, um, like, how will they actually foster this, this community? Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not laid out in detail in the article. Um, I, I, the, for me, this article was like, a, it's a, it was like a bit of a roller coaster, ironically, you know, talking about Disney World. It was a lot of up and downs. And, you know, it's like city backing a big futuristic play, big thumbs up, right? Because that's going to lead to job creation. It'll lead to companies moving there. The same way, you know, Miami, I think had a lot has had and continues or Miami and Palm Beach has had a lot of success attracting crypto and finance and like a whole bunch of industries that are now moving out there. Um, You know, this is great for Orlando to be getting ahead of this and saying, we want to be a part of this. And I'm assuming there are dollars. There have to. There has to. Your point. It can't just be talk. There has to be dollars behind it. There has to be something to pull talent, like human capital and capital capital, into the city. Right. That that to me is exciting. Then, like I keep reading the article, so I'm on this high of great city, like getting behind this, creating lots of jobs, wanting to attract industry, and then it's like, okay, but. Then the creation of Orlando in the metaverse, like you lost me there, right? Like who cares? Yeah. Disneyland's cool. And, and, you know, I've been to Orlando hundreds of times, like other than Disney world, there's like a really cool Mexican restaurant that I like that serves great tacos and fajitas. But like, why would you care to do anything in the Orlando metaverse version? The, the, metaverse version of orlando other than go to the theme parks right which is all really people in the real world go to orlando for uh, for the most part like um it just i i i i'm gonna continue to rail against 
one-to-one recreations of anything real world in the metaverse. I just think you've missed the point if that's what you're doing. And so I was on this high and then I lost all faith in the people who are doing this, that they understand really the opportunity here because the first thing they're doing is something I think that's completely misguided, right? It doesn't make any sense at all other than for a press release. Um, and then, and then the sort of, I, it got back up on the high because the article mentions McKinsey saying, Hey, this is going to be a $5 trillion industry by 2030. I'm like, finally, we're using letter T because I think everyone has massively underestimated how big this is going to be. But then it's, it mentions that McKinsey thinks the games piece is going to be smaller than enterprise markets and e-commerce in the metaverse. And I'm like, well, you're wrong there, right? Fun is going to be driving all of this. Um, and so like, it's a, it was a tale of two cities with this article for me. It was like, they love that they're doing something, but clearly they don't get actually what it is because otherwise they wouldn't be doing the something they said they, they're doing. Um, but I guess something's better than nothing, right? Because at least it got us talking about Orlando in the context of the metaverse. It's also interesting that Disney, you know, given we've talked so much about Disney and their metaverse, right? Like I would have been intrigued if they had been more involved here um, True. just as True. part of this announcement and, and part of this strategy. It's a bit Excellent odd that they're point. not. And maybe that says it, it, more about Disney's relationship it, with the Florida government or something like that, you know, or maybe they just don't have a great metaverse strategy yet, but it's surprising that they weren't more entwined into the story. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I mean, you mentioned the Unity mentioned as one of the partners, right? Not Disney uh, of Orlando here. And I think it's interesting because Unity also, there was another story this week from Unity um, talking about their uh, merger with a company called Iron Source. So um, Iron Source went public a year ago through a SPAC at an $11 billion valuation. Now it's being valued at $5 billion in the merger. Uh, Unity has had their share price fall by over 70% in 2022, and their market cap's under 12 billion. So not a merger of equals, but you know, 12 billion and 5 billion, um, pretty close in size. Now, for those who don't know, Unity is the the game engine that uh, is powering a lot of what people are calling metaverse experiences today. Um, Iron Source is, in fact, I mean, I don't know how you would describe them, Jeff, but an ad network, right? They, yeah, they, they really a bunch help. Of different things. Yeah, it's all ad tech. I mean, they have an ad yeah. network and then they do like ad mediation um, as well as like user acquisition. So it's all about monetize, monetizing games and acquiring users. Yeah, there was a couple things that stood out for me in this article. One, I noticed uh, the merger is valuing Iron Source at a pretty significant premium. Right, their their market cap is half of what the company is being valued in the merger, um, and, and and the other the other comment or the question I have for you is so what do you think of just in general the prices being paid here or the value the valuations being put here, and two, you know, is this does this imply? Like, is Unity trying to solve the monetization piece of the puzzle here? Is is the future of metaverse monetization all, you know, in metaverse ads? Like, what, what, can we draw any conclusions from the merger? Because it's a big deal. Yeah, uh, we'll have to take those one by one because I forgot some of them, but they're all really good questions. I mean, the interesting thing to me, we, we always talk about Unity as, as the engine, the game engine, and sort of like 
the the rails behind the metaverse, if you will. Um, whereas this deal was very grounded in reality, right? Like if you think look at what they're buying, I mean, it's really an advertising network and a B two B software solution for for mobile game companies. Like what Iron Source does is it helps mobile game companies, uh, you know, generate ad revenue and do user acquisition. So the best comp would be App Loving. So very like web to grounded acquisition. Um, and I think yep. a pretty good deal, even though the, the market did react, you know, fairly negative to it. Um, you know, I think then that that's really driven a little bit by um, investor sentiment towards towards just Unity's valuation. And just to get into the weeds a little bit on that, right now Unity is valued more as like a SaaS company. Um, their comps would be kind of like Adobe or Salesforce. Whereas, you know, now with this acquisition, more of their revenue will be driven by ad tech. And advertising versus like software and subscription. So uh, just inherently, you know, your multiple will come down if you have that revenue mix shift. Um, but I think strategically, you know, it's a very smart deal. They're trying to bring kind of combine creation and monetization and bring those two parts of the cycle, you know, more, more married. Um, and, and really what they're trying to do is allow creators to Get faster um, validation of their games and add monetization earlier on, so they know earlier in the creation process whether a game's going to be successful or not. And um, I don't know if you caught some of the the flack that the uh, John Riccatello got, the CEO of Iron so- or sorry of Unity, for some of the comments he made. But I figure there there probably would be ones that you're interested in. Um, I put a, a link in the private chat here. He made a comment basically saying, you know, any developer. That's not um, not thinking about monetization early in development is an effing idiot, uh, which yeah. was a little bit off the cuff. And um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, he's wrong, first of all, because I think <laughs> game developers first and foremost need to be thinking about making a fun game. And I think thinking about monet, like there's no nuance in his comment. Right. So it's impossible to know what his actual point was. But like. If the point was you have to think about monetization before anything else, that's wrong. If the point was if you're not thinking about monetization at all, then you're making a mistake. That's sort of right, right? Like he's correct there. Uh, what's interesting about all of this whole Unity Iron Source thing for me is all, almost all the conversation around metaverse publicly is that crypto, Web3, tokens, NFTs, all this stuff. This is the monetization engine of the metaverse, right? And Unity, arguably one of the underlying platforms that will potentially power the metaverse, future metaverses, you know, small m, et cetera, um, has made a very, to your point, web 2.0 kind of buy here, right? They could have gone and bought some company doing token NFT stuff and like integrated that into Unity so that game developers can monetize their games through tokens and NFTs and all this kind of stuff. And they instead, they just bought like a an in-game ad network with very sort of last-gen kind of technology. I don't know what that says about their belief in kind of, you know, what most people are talking about in terms of metaverse and Web3 monetization. I mean, it's a, it's a great point. Or, or maybe what it says about the, the market side, the market hype cycle for Metaverse, because maybe I, I clearly believe that they still believe in it. But maybe when their share price has fallen as much as it has, they now think, okay, our investors need to see us having a business model that 
kind of spans both generations or, or, or both worlds, if you will. Yeah, but I personally believe today the, the far more effective way of monetizing anything metaverse is in-game or in-metaverse ads. Like really, the technology that's, you know, much less cutting edge, right? Putting up a banner in somewhere in a VR world that I'm navigating, right? That's, that's almost like a sign on the side of the road here in real life, to me feels easier and probably more effective than very complicated tokenomics and NFTs that not everybody loves and gamers reject. Like there's, there's still it hurdles allows there. You, yeah, to your point earlier, it allows you to build a fun game first and foremost, and then you can have advertising, whether it's you know interstitial or woven within the game. Um, obviously, the tricky thing with the metaverse is you don't want to break the immersion, so you have to find a way to make the advertising native. Um, yeah. But it, it, it makes the it makes the monetization sort of second, which is ironic because it's almost the opposite yeah. of, of yeah. JR's of his comments. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Some of these we've talked many times about play to earn and, and kind of how how it's financialized the entire incentive structure of playing a game. Um, so maybe this is a step towards having that not be the case for the metaverse, where it doesn't have to be every game has a token and you're earning things and the currency in the game is transferable. Um, maybe this is a bit more sustainable as, as a, as a monetization leg. Yeah. And since we're on the topic of advertising in metaverse, I, I want to bring up the next story here, which is, it's interesting. It's a, it's a, based on a research study from YouGov. Uh, for those who are fans of, of our content, uh, we also do a, another show called The Business of Esports, which you should subscribe to. Maybe you came from there. We do a, a weekly news show every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, which you should come to. It's a lot of fun where we talk more about gaming and esports. But YouGov is our, is, our, is our main sponsor there. And YouGov actually actually did a study on advertising in the metaverse here. And this article talks about some of the findings, which I think are interesting, right? The headline here is 44% of gamers would accept advertising in exchange for free services in the metaverse. Um, so this is a, a study from YouGov. They found that uh, 44% stated they would accept advertising if it meant they would be given free access to apps, games, and places within the metaverse or within the game. Um, now, uh, this was eye-opening to me, Jeff, because, again, so much of the conversation is around tokens and NFTs, right? When essentially half of the people pulled here have said, even in play-to-earn games, in metaverses, and all these things, like, I will, I, I'm okay with traditional advertising, right? Pushing an ad to me in the traditional way, if it means I get something in the game. Were you surprised by this number? I'm, I'm honestly not that surprised because this is something you see in mobile gaming a lot, like where, you know, rewarded video tends to be a very popular feature. And that's basically where someone watches an ad to then get premium currency or an item. Um, essentially, you're trading your time for your money, right? So it's, hey, you can either buy this for $5 or you can watch a 30-second ad. And it, it's, it, it ends up being very popular. Um, and and actually, it's a form of advertising that most gamers do not like. Do not mind. They actually like it because it gives them the option. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to ever engage with it if you don't want to. But if you do want to, it's it's another form of of way that you can pay for something in game. So I'm not shocked by it. Um, and it, 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 to your point, it is a good future monetization model for for the metaverse. Um, you know, so long as you can kind of balance that with your maybe your more premium economy. Um, 
as well. Yeah, I mean, there's some interesting, other interesting stats in this article. Um, it says 35% of respondents said they were comfortable with advertising within the meta space, and 25% were undecided, 46% uncomfortable with the idea. That seems, see, it, that seems high. Like the 46% to me, like why would you be uncomfortable with advertising? It's like saying like, if you're uncomfortable with advertising in the metaverse, like how is it different than advertising in real life? Right. Like, I, I'm not sure why 46, unless they're just like, hey, it's a game. I want it to be fun. I don't want ads. But yeah. to me, it's like, if you want the metaverse to be like an immersive, real world like experience, like capital M metaverse, there's obviously going to be advertising. And it may be even be advertising for things that are native to the metaverse, be advertising for items you purchase to consume within that digital world, which I think is where probably a lot of this is all heading. But for full, for over 50% of people to say that they're uncomfortable with that, it almost makes me believe that they're not understanding the true vision of what the metaverse will be. Or they're just they're just thinking of it, hey, a metaverse equals game. I don't want ads in game. Boom. I say no. Because to me, if we get to this Oasis version of metaverse, there's clearly going to be advertising. Like, clearly. It has to be. You're right. Clearly. It has to be. Agreed. I think part of it comes from the fact that for everything other than mobile games, in-game advertising has never been a business model that really caught on because it didn't really have to, right? Like people were selling plenty of $60 box copies and then people were selling plenty of free-to-play cosmetics. And so there was never like a, a, a real impetus to, to, to push in-game advertising. Now, the, in mobile, that's different, but I think that's where this data point is driven by right where there's there is a big cross-section of gamers who just are not used to this because they have not seen it in traditional games and if they think of the metaverse as some extension of games or a type of game they will they will see it as uncomfortable in that sense um i think that stat changes very quickly over the next five years to be honest because i do think it will be ubiquitous to your point it, it has to be has to be part of that equation. I just I want to I want to finish on one last article here, Jeff, um, where you know we if, if the headline was obviously very catchy. People the the way people describe their companies when they're fundraising I think is also very interesting. Um, and and this one the headline is crypto gaming firm Cauldron raises six point six million to build Pixar of Web three. Um, now, the article defines this a little bit, uh, and it's a quote from uh, the CEO of the company, um, where he says, a big bit missing from Web3 Gaming is storytelling. People aren't really coming back because there isn't a reason to come back. If you close your eyes and are listening to a Pixar film, you can't see the art or technology, but the story is still gripping you. Storytelling is what matters. So what do you think of this take of being the Pixar of Web3 here, Jeff? And what do you think of that, that quote maybe specifically? Yeah. Well, I feel like plenty of people... Pixar is a great company um, and, and really great at what they do. So plenty of people have used in pitch decks, hey, we want to be the Pixar of gaming or the Pixar of this. So I'm not that surprising. I or not that surprised. I think, you know, he breaks a great, great point about Web3 gaming and there, there really is no storytelling. Because it's always been, you know, about financialization. It's not necessarily about the games being fun or, or engaging. So I think that is something that's missing. Um, 
I'd be interested to see what kind of game they're building, how it monetizes, like whether this is just lip service, right? Because it's one thing to say, hey, we want to build great stories. We're not about, you know, just monetizing you. And it's, it's, we're trying to do this differently. But then it's like, oh, we just created 50 characters and we're selling each of them for all this money as an NFT. It's like, okay, well, I almost guarantee you, I don't know this for sure, obviously, but I'd be willing to bet, basically bet my life that if you ask the founders of Pixar, would you ever sell your characters as an NFT? They would like <laughs> throw up and like shoot me. You know, like I just think that that's the way they view their, their, at, their IP and their characters. So like you can, it's kind of a dichotomy there. Like they're almost like diametrically opposed to one another. Um, I also think it's interesting to kind of um, oppose this story to the one we covered a few weeks ago around, uh, I think it was either Bored Apes or, or the other one. Um, yeah. where they were talking about they didn't want to create, you know, their characters. Like in, they, they didn't want to. <laughs> what was the the line he had? Like, we're not going to mess wanna, with your apes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's It's like it's an interesting take. It's a catchy headline. Pixar of Web three. I mean, they raised six and a half million dollars. So like clearly the pitch worked. I just I'm amazed at like. It's one step closer to where I think the 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 play to earn, you know, blockchain based Web3 companies, whatever gaming companies need to be, but yet not far enough. Right. Because as a gamer, what I know and I think what they don't know is there are I could I could probably think of 10 games that have incredible storytelling, incredible narratives and characters and things like that. But the games weren't fun. Right. And maybe you played it once or you got halfway through and then you gave up. Like there's a there's a lot of games like that where, you know, a a story driven game isn't necessarily a fun game. And so it's like it's one step closer to being where we should be, because I agree more storytelling is better than less storytelling. But it's like, couldn't we have just taken it to the logical conclusion and just said, hey, we're going to make really fun games and that's going to be our focus. It's because also almost that- inherently opposed because single player games are always known for like you play them once and then it's kind of it, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's not a live service. You don't, you don't want to own your character in a single player game because you play through. It's like reading a book. Like you read the yeah. book. Now it's over. Yeah. Maybe, yes, maybe you own the physical book, but like you don't own the characters. It, it's, it's over. The story ends and that's it. So I it, like what is the point of what makes it web three then? If that's the yeah, it's not it's not clear to me that this is. I mean, clearly it worked in the sales pitch, um, but I would bet good money we don't see a fun game out of them. Like, uh, I just or a game that makes sense to your point in that web three context, which is I think is a great extension of of what I was trying to say. Um, I just I'm skeptical. Call me skeptical, right? Until I see someone coming out and saying, "Hey, we don't really care about the token, and we're not going to sell any NFTs before the game comes out." Like, we really want to make a fun game, and then we're going to figure out how to monetize with cool NFTs and stuff later. Like, until someone comes out and says it just like that, call me skeptical. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, it's it's an interesting one to follow. They raised a bunch of money at, at a good time uh, when you know. Uh, that they can put their heads down and focus on building. So we'll see what comes from them. Um, Jeff, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. I will say uh, a reminder to everyone to go, make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast, right? Wherever you listen to it, if it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, 
hit subscribe button so you get notified of our new episodes. Also, make sure to follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Cohen 23. He's always has cool takes, hot takes. I mean, you love the juice. If you love the juice, go go follow him on Twitter. And uh, and oh, subscribe to our sister podcasts, uh, Meta Woman, which uh, highlights women uh, working in the metaverse space and in the gaming space. So incredible interviews and business of esports if you're interested in gaming in general. Um, most of all, guys, don't forget the future is fun. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.